Nowadays, introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast not PS. Sold in semantic. Special dedication all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWOT semantic. Yeah, man, oh. Boom! Sold in semantic. Yeah, man, Big ups to the man, yeah. Sold in semantic. Welcome to another episode of the Soothing Semantics Podcast. I am your host, Rafi Pinsky. Make sure to subscribe, like, share, share with your friends, your dog, your puppy. Dog and puppy is the same shit. (laughs) Subscribe, comment, and here we are, okay? Today we have Mike Suisa on the show, okay? Mike is a a Canadian, another Canadian. By the way, I've been having a lot of Canadians lately. Really? Yeah, this is, you're the fourth straight Canadian. The fourth? The fourth. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess I have something for Canada. Uh, but that's, I mean, other than going into the whole COVID thing, because I've been discussing it with a couple of uh, the people that I just had on recently, mm-hmm. it's wild, dude. Like with all, with the, with the truckers now? Yeah. Unbelievable. What's going on? People are losing trust. Some people are losing trust. Well, do you think the truck, do you think the whole truck thing actually did anything? I think these things don't work. I think it's a big media frenzy. I think that... People are using it for their own advantage, obviously, but I think ultimately these 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 protests, uh, which are really just peaceful protests, right, don't really work for their objective, which is to usurp the government, right? You just can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that do work, it's pretty extreme. It's, you know, guns and blowing up buildings or just don't vote for the guy in the first place, right? Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's crazy that the violent, the violent protests work as much as we don't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. They work, man. I mean, mm-hmm. if we talk about, I don't want to get into, uh, go into a rabbit hole because I, I do want to discuss some of the things we, we talked about, all the things we talked about. Mm-hmm. When you talk about, for instance, the, uh, the, the Palestinians and Israelis, like the Palestinians get a lot of what they want because of the violence. Uh, and at the end of the day, Israel's not going to allow a lot of it. <laughs> they shouldn't, but it is what it is. I mean, that's how, that's how things work. Absolutely. When you show enough strength, you're either going to get more violence in return or people are going to realize or feel that your struggle is so bad, you're willing to go to those lengths to do something. Maybe they'll, they'll give you a little bit of leeway. Yeah. But if you just hold up signs and say, come on, guys, nobody gives a shit. Yeah. People were trying to do protests in, in Montreal uh, when uh, Legault, the, the PM or the, the governor, if you want, uh, of Quebec, he put a curfew, 7 p.m. We had to be home. And um, people just said, oh, we're going to break the curfew at 7 p.m. We're going to meet downtown in the middle biggest area. And, and they were just holding signs. And it's like they went for a walk. And the PM was just making fun of them. He's you making know, fun the of them. The next day, he's just like, all right, well, you know, we gave $250,000 worth of tickets so thank you, you know, and he was kind of like, he's like, you're allowed to have your voices heard, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to listen to you. curfews. Right. And that was it. Right. So. Well, they, that's why they say Canadians are too nice. Yeah. I mean, America put up with it for a long time. At this point, if they locked, if they locked down Florida again, I don't think people will start destroying things. But quite frankly, I just don't think Floridians would listen to it. No. They just won't give two fucks. Like for me now, I, it was funny. I was in the elevator uh, yesterday morning and there was this Spanish couple in the in the elevator. The husband didn't say a word. The wife figured I didn't speak Spanish or she just didn't care. But I think she was hoping I didn't. And 
I don't know for a fact she was talking about me, but she kept saying like estupido and something about like she said Corona and she seemed very upset. And I think she was pretty much saying to her husband in front of me that I was stupid for not wearing a mask or something along those lines. And part of me was saying like, are you talking about me? (laughs) And she'd probably say yes. And hopefully if she had the ball, she would say, I'd be like, lady, you do you, I do me. But in my head, I was like, it's better that I just make believe I don't know what she's saying. You know what I'm saying? Just let it go. What the hell's the point of starting something that doesn't need to be started? Her husband, I looked at both of them and then I just looked away and I saw her husband kind of like looking at me totally innocently. He was like, it's not my fight. You know, like (laughs) it's my crazy wife. Sorry, bro. For sure she was talking about you. That's for For sure, sure, right? He gave me this look, look. He didn't put his hands up, but he was like. (laughs) That's great. That's great, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think he realized she was being ridiculous too. But I don't know. I might be fat making up a whole story, but I have a feeling. You kind of just get that feeling, yeah. you know? Uh, but now going into a whole nother topic. Mm-hmm. First off, I mean, you do, you said computer science, yeah. right? And you said, uh, and you also ta- talk a lot about theology. Yeah. So a good topic to discuss. I don't know much about computer science. Mm-hmm. Uh, theology is definitely a great topic. Mm-hmm. I was talking with my roommate, Levy, and his brother, Shua, yesterday about religion. Mm-hmm. And there are many aspects of religion I just don't buy. I just think are kind of just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the question for me is, do I believe in in Judaism and discredit all the others? Or do I just believe in God? And for me, personally, my realization, this is what I've come to realize, and I think this is, if you think logically, if I was born a Muslim, I'd be Muslim. If I was born a Christian, a Hindu, I, I would be part of it, and that's the end of it. Sure. There are small select groups of every religion that convert to others. There are some atheists that become religious and vice versa. For the most part, when you grow up a certain way, you're programmed that way, and that's the way you think. Mm -hmm. There are incongruencies in every religion and every culture and every society. And we just say, fuck it. I won't even ask questions. It doesn't make sense, but I'd rather just not even go into it, right? And that's Mm -hmm. what most people do. So for me, I'm I'm a very big question asker. Things need to make sense for me. I can't, it's very hard for me to just accept as is. I'm always questioning. So when it comes to religion, I mean, we, if if my my feeling is if if any monotheistic religion makes sense, I would think Judaism makes sense. It came first, the others adopted most of their principles, and I'm Jewish. So that's that's one of the reasons, but one of the main reasons. But yeah, and when it comes to the, the Abrahamic religions, to me, it's Judaism came first. The others were co- pretty much copycat them, copycat Judaism. And, and that's for me what, what makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, there comes to, there's too much complication in terms of what you can do, what you can't do. And I'm the kind of person that just, I, I don't like having too many rules. I think rules are great, but like when it comes to like, if it's Shabbat and I can't rip a piece of toilet paper to wipe my ass, I get a little bit, I'm not trying to make fun of it, but at the same time, yeah. I, just to me, it's kind of ridiculous. The like, pre-ripped toilet paper is Yeah, like I, I just look yeah. at it and I'm thinking, I understand what you're doing. I respect that they're they're going the extra mile. I get their thought process, but I think for most people, it's so routine already, they don't put much thought into it. And mm-hmm. when I look at it, I say, I don't know what God's thinking. I don't know if God thinks, per se. I don't know what he, she looks like. I have no idea. We just think, I imagine he looks like a guy with a bit of a pot belly in the clouds because that's what family guys decided you know what i mean of course 
And this is what we all think. We think he's this old man with white hair. Yeah, I think white of, beard. Right? If anyone exactly. thinks of what God is, he, we don't know maybe the color necessarily, but we think <laughs> either white or brown with white, with white hair. He yeah. looks like Santa, but he's God, you know? Yeah. And that's what we think. Santa with a tan, like a right. Mediterranean tan, <laughs> olive skin, you know, that, that vibe. He has yeah, to yeah, be, yeah, right? Because yeah, it's like, of course. but is God Jewish? Is he Muslim? And that's where all the shit's like, what is this? You know yeah. what I mean? Of course. Um, so that's my take, man. I'm, I'm curious to so, hear yours. A few questions. I mean, I want, I want to backpedal ahead, a little bit. Um, so uh, you, you seem to have certain issues, right? I'd like to address all of them just to see, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, wh- wh- what we could get to, you know, ultimately. So... Um, there's a difference between having issues with, first of all, uh, the concept of a God, regardless, right? Um, Buddhists had a problem with that, therefore created this somewhat atheistic religion, right? There is no God in Buddhism, really. Um, so if you have a problem with a God or a problem with um, the, the God of Israel, if you want, or the God of the children of Israel, so that God of the three monotheistic religions... Or do you have a problem with organized religion, right? If yes, which one? And and so so I, maybe we can like talk about all of these things, and they all have different answers. And you can believe in a god without believing in the god of Israel, or you could believe in the god, you know. And well, well, here here's what it is for me, man. I think that human beings need something in order to stay sane. We need something to believe in that's bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we'll go to great lengths and we'll do stupid shit in order to stay sane. So we we have to be... So gang members will join gangs. People will, will join religions. I believe in God. I have no absolute proof that he, he or it exists because none of us do. And anyone who claims otherwise, quite frankly, I think is full of shit. I think we can... To me, I don't believe in the Big Bang. I don't believe things just existed. I believe something was created. And therefore, I, just, I believe in a higher power, which to me is God. So I choose to believe that. And it's also the idea when you're going through hardship, it's so much more comforting to be able to say, okay, there must be a higher power. These things are happening for some sort of reason. Do I know that's absolutely true? Do I know there's someone actually looking after me? Honestly, dude, I don't know. Because the, the most terrible tragedies happen to people. People get run over by tractor trailers and just completely flatten their done. And it's like, was God looking after that dude? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't really know. It's yeah. kind of hard to put that together. You feel me? Like the Holocaust, all these other tragedies. So uh, it, it's very difficult to really dissect that and, and talk about it. For me, I I feel like I would be very unhappy as an atheist. I just wouldn't really be able to find the beauty in things. There's so much beauty. I don't know enough about Christianity and Islam uh, because I, Islam much more because I was in the army and mm. I, I I see how similar it is. But then again, all three are pretty similar. Um, at the same time, I think it's just a I think it's just a, a nature and nurture thing. It's the way you're raised. I think that's what it is. Well, I think that one of the greatest inventions ever is lying, right? And not lying to other people because that's kind of messed up, right? You, you just kind of you know, warp this truth and then make them think that something is when it isn't or vice versa. Um, But lying to yourself is oftentimes a very good thing, very important to do that because, I mean, anybody can beat himself down. Anybody can tell, oh, my, my life is, is void of any meeting. Um, my, my, I, I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm underaccomplished. I look at my friends. They're doing so much better than me. I'll ne- I'm never going to make it. I'm lazy. I have all these. You can look at that, right? Or you can kind of lie to yourself 
and sell yourself to yourself, which is a lie, but it's a great thing to lie to yourself. This is a beautiful, it's so elegant, so well said, so eloquently put. Yeah. And, and this is something that, that, that seems to, uh, drive religious people. So nobody is sure a hundred percent of anything. Right, I think the agnostic route is the. Well, if we're talking route. religion, because yes. you can definitely be sure of there are things that are absolute facts, which which we can't. Not not certain. There's a German philosopher who said that everything that's going on here is going on in the in the mind of a dog, you me talking this table, and it doesn't exist. And he said, "Well, prove me wrong." And it's it's messed up. And I don't. I think he knows how ridiculous his statement is. Yeah, it's, oh, that's a complexity that I can't really understand. The compu- the computer exists. It's right in front of me. I'm looking at it. I don't see where you can really go and take that any, any further. You perceive it as existing. That's it. That's your, but your perception. So would, but, but who, if any human being that, that's living and has the ability to, to have a conversation, right? They're not autistic. They're not on the spectrum. They're not children. Any adult that, ha, that is normal, uh, has any normal mental capacity mm-hmm. would look at our, our conversation and say, yes, the computer is there. It exists and we're looking at it. Yeah. I don't think anyone would argue that. What do you what do you classify My as point. existing? How do you define existence? What is it that it's real? That it's it's it's, it's easily proven to be real. Matter that's occupying space is is that it? I like what you're doing. I just don't really. I'm I'm trying to understand. I don't think you're doing anything. I'm just trying to understand <laughs> what what you what you're getting at. So so, the truth is we have to we have to build worlds in our minds. It it seems like it's it's something so that we can get out of bed and okay. we can do things right, right? because. Ultimately, uh, uh, we can, I mean, it, it sounds very negative, but life sucks on a fundamental level, right? You have to wake up and do things and you have to work and you have to make money and you have to feed yourself and you have to figure all these things out that are so against our natural uh, laziness instinct, well, right? Here's a caveat real quick and I'm not, please hold the thought. Of course. Back in the day, we were so much more similar to animals because all we really did was go to the bathroom, make children hunt eat all that we didn't have all these modern day distractions Mm -hmm. the reason why we aren't slaughtering each other constantly is because we've preoccupied ourselves with things that either matter or don't matter it's all relative Mm -hmm. and that's what we do now so now we have these ridiculous silly little problems in in first world countries because we have to be busy with something you know and that Mm -hmm. i think goes into what you're saying yeah well (laughs) well um, so i'll ask you uh, uh what's what why are we why are we here what do we have what's our purpose in life what do we have to do right as a scientist pretty much broke it down to surviving everything we do the reason for doing whatever we do is to survive right why do we why do we why do we have sex to survive to pass on our genes why do we eat well to survive why do we get an education well so that we can get a job and make money and survive well there's also enjoyment in all those things too it's not just for the primary reason of surviving yeah of course so why why do you enjoy things? Why do you feel the need to enjoy things? This that's is a good, that's this a very was, good question. This was my next point. Right. It's that we have to create ourselves worlds. We have to create worlds for ourselves that are going to act kind of like distractions, right? This is why there are many uh, antidepressants that uh, when people take them, they get them prescribed, they take them, and one of the side effects, very unfortunate, is, is suicide. Because what it does is kind of, it, it can take away the layers Right, that are distracting us. 
I love that you're saying this. This is why I thank God I don't. I'm not a depressed person. Mm-hmm. I've never had anxiety. We all get anxious, mm-hmm. but I've never had any kind of panic attack. Mm-hmm. So I I have a very hard time grasping when people say I have like crippling anxiety. Yeah. It sounds very ignorant because some people are so offended, but I feel like when it comes to anxiety, it's generally a fear, right? And if you're if you're extremely if you're an extremely anxious person you likely have many fears mm-hmm. and when you're depressed i find that there are you're, you're simply very unhappy with either circumstance or the overall picture yeah. and that requires you, you mentioned layers everyone knows more or less some people are very, un, very are really not very self-aware mm-hmm. i think the large majority of people deep down whether they want to admit it or not know what they need to do what they need to work on but the more they prolong the inevitable, the more issues pile up and the harder it gets. Yeah. And what happens is they, that depression eats them alive. Of course. And they, they go to bed. If they can sleep, they wake up in the morning and there are 579 things that they know they need to fix. Mm-hmm. But it's so crippling because they don't know where to start. And at the end of the day, it's going to be hard if you fix it and it's going to be hard if you don't fix it. Choose your heart because not fixing it is a hell of a lot harder. So it's easier said than done, but when, how I look at life is you're always going to have issues. No matter how um, uh, incredible your life is, you can have all the money in the world, the most beautiful wife or husband, you can have an incredible body, you can, you can live in a beautiful place, I can go on forever. But the more you focus on solving problems, and I'm not, I don't like to look at life as, let me focus on solving problems because that can sound pessimistic, mm-hmm. but... You, you try to eliminate the negatives as much as you can so you can live your best possible version of yourself. And that's going to require you to look at life every day and, and dissect your everyday life because every, every single day has a multitude of decisions. You're constantly making decisions. Right now, we're choosing to make decisions every millisecond, essentially. And the decisions you make shape you. So I look at it as if I know I need to go and ship that UPS, that thing to UPS... Let me go do it now so I don't have to do it, so I don't have to think about it. I have to send out that ad. I have to call that client, whatever, whatever it is. I, I like to set up, you know, more important things earlier, less important things later, hopefully delegate the less important tasks. I'm not going to go too far down that rabbit hole, but the, the more you focus on eliminating difficulty in your life, I mean, you're always going to have problems, but some people have 10 issues. Some people have 10,000. And I know for a fact, I am very confident that people with 10 issues are a lot more content than people with 10,000. And and that's what I think life is. That's why I think so many people are so unhappy is because they're not willing to work. Like God made the world in a way where if you're willing to work hard, that's the paradox, the catch-22 of life. The, the harder you're willing to work at anything, relationships, business, physical, you know, physical fitness, mental health, the, the happier you'll be. That's how God made the world. And he made it in, in, in an unfair way, but in a sense it's fair as well. Um, if you want the sweetest fruits of life, you have to be willing to put to kind of suffer through the shitty parts. And, and I think that's, I've found that to be a beautiful thing, but going through it sucks. Getting, getting to the other side is the most bliss, blissful thing in the world. But very few people are willing to, to agonize themselves enough to like get to that other, the other side of the wall. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah, <laughs> so much to unpack. Dude, I love these talks, man. <laughs> so I love much these to conversations. Unpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. For sure, for sure, getting to the other side is something. But I, I, I truly believe that that to be able to get to the other side, you're gonna have to 
pretty much oversell yourself along the way, right? So you're, you're going to have to say, I can do this, even though you don't really believe that you can, right? People told you you were dumb your whole life and you were like bottom of your class and you don't know why you don't understand math and you don't understand science, but you want to become a doctor. And you have to just be that little train who says, I, I think I can. I really think I can. And, and, and I think that people say that with a lot of doubt. They're like, I, I think I can. I, I think I can. I, I can. I can do this. I can do that. And, and those are the only ones who get there. Right? 100%. So you have to create these worlds in your head and you have to lie to yourself constantly. And to, to tie this back to religion, it's that, it's that, well, people don't have anything better so they're going to say, well, I'm going to lie to myself, regardless of the existence of God. I mean, this Absolutely. is a very medieval conversation that, that we true. can have for sure. But, but regardless, uh, they're going to say, well, you know what? Someone passed away. He's in a better place. There is life after death. God has his reasons, works in mysterious, all, the, all the, the age-old cliches. By the way, I love cliches because they're great. They made it this far. Right. Right. They've, they've existed for 10,000 years. Right. This is amazing. You know, hard work pays off, you know, it's, it's such yeah. a great, but for sure, it's like what you said, it's true. Right. Um, and, and so, so people will um, um, create these worlds and create these, we'll call them lies, but they're happy. You know, what are you going to come and bombard them with the truth? You know, sometimes the truth sucks and, and, and it's good to say the truth to other people, but to yourself, by all means, lie away. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I completely agree. I don't like the the concept of faking it till you make it is a, is a very interesting concept. I like to look at it as exactly what you said. I look at it as when I, when I wake, so I'll give you a very raw discussion. I'm saying this in front of whoever's listening. Um, and it's funny. I, I just like look at, I just like thought about that for a second. I said, whoever's listening, a fuck ton of people are listening. See me? You I'm into me? that. You feel me? That's great. So that's exactly. just the manifestation of it, even exactly. though the podcast is small. Exactly. So so it's the idea, it's the idea for me, for instance, as a realtor now, right? I had a very good first year. Now I'm I'm a couple of months into my second. I've had the last two months were tough, you know, and I have a lot of clients that I'm building. I make phone calls every day. I'm doing a lot of things, you know. Like anyone that sees me in the office, I'm always there, I'm always working, right? And then I see other people in the office, they're closing deals, they have stuff that they're moving. And it's like, fuck, what am I doing wrong? It's really, it bothers me. And I have two options. I can either go to bed at night, wake up at 11 o'clock, sulk in bed, feel like, a, feel like an idiot. Or I can get up, go to the gym early in the morning and get to it. And there's no, there's, just, there's absolutely no debate in my mind on which option I'm going to take. Because sitting in bed and feeling sorry for myself sure as hell isn't going to do anything. And I know, and I know that at the end of the day, even though I have my doubts, my brain tells me, "You're not, you're not good enough. You're not this. You're not that." The good, the good parts of the brain that are telling me I'm amazing at it, well, well, uh, take precedence and take control. And I, and at the end of the day, that's all it is. It's it, you, you, you have to, you have to lie to yourself because there's no guarantee. There's absolutely no guarantee. Um, but at the same time, like I've seen from and this is me this is me telling myself comforting myself with you sitting here is with it's what's happening right <laughs> and and knowing knowing how far i've come since i was younger until now to be at this point even if there are some parts that are tough in my life right now 
if I knew that I was able to overcome those challenges up until now, those same principles apply. And there are so many things that I can say that I've gone through that I've been able to figure out and sort out. There's no, it's no different with anything else. It just has to be something I'm willing to go through long enough Mm -hmm. to see the fruits of my labor. And then you build momentum on that, on that thing. Yeah. And what's interesting is that we, we, we live in a world where we're just surrounded by formulas, right? You, you want to become a a great musician. Like you want to become Justin Bieber, just kind of do what he did. I mean, yes, there is some luck involved. Of course, you might not be worth $300 million at 22 years old. <laughs> I get it. You know, that's fine. <laughs> but replicate. You see a millionaire that you admire. You just do exactly what he did. And there is no reason why you wouldn't at least get really fucking close. Yeah. You know, and, and, and just look at him. What did he do? Well, he opened a little depreneur. Uh, what do you guys call that? Uh, are you talking about like a little meat, like a store? No, a little shop where you sell, they sell candies and uh, what do they call it? We call those a deli. We call that a deli. A deli. Okay. A bodega in New York. Bodega. Okay. I like that word. Bodega. Bodega. So, so you see that the guy is worth $9 million. He's 52 years old. Well, what did he do? Well, he went to New York and had like $15 in his pocket and then worked at a bodega and learned the business. And he worked for five years, put money aside. He lived like with his brother and sister and all of their kids in a a two bedroom, you know, and they stashed money. And then he opened one little bodega and then a second one and a third one and then opened a shop and then things just got bigger. And then in in 32 years, the guy's worth eight, $9 million. And there's no reason why that would work for him and not you right? There is a formula for anything. And you want to see happiness. I was going through a difficult time in my life at some point, And I said, who are the masters of happiness? And it's personal and it's close to me, the Chabads, right? Mm-hmm, they're great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they're just, they're just always happy. They're always smiling. They're always like, you know, L'chaim, L'chaim and Fabrengen yep, and this yep, and yep, that. Yep. And amazing. And so I started reading up on the Chabad philosophies, right? The Rebbe's philosophies, even though I'm not Chabad. I don't really. Uh, uh, it doesn't really uh, speak to me on 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 another level other than being happy. I find that they have mastered the psychology of happiness. So I kind of just looked at what they did and said, I have to replicate this because they found a way to pretty much live in bliss most of the time. It's unbelievable, regardless of what's going on in their lives. Chabad is Chabad. People, Chabad Jews are, are my favorite, honestly. They're the best. They're the best. They're the best. They, they, they yeah. make Judaism. So if, if, if anybody brings me to Judaism, it's Chabad. Yeah. Anybody. If we ever get to Mars and there are Martians there and there's one Chabad rabbi, <laughs> they're all going to become Chabad. <laughs> for sure. You know, for sure. I mean, they're going to be like, There will absolutely this. be a Chabad house on Mars. <laughs> there probably already is one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're, they're waiting for us. <laughs> absolutely. It's like, where were you? You're coming, you're coming, you come to Davin. You, have to <laughs> you see Mendy there yeah, drunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, guys, that's so nice of you to show up, dude. I've been here for 20 fucking years, man. I've been waiting for you. Yeah. He gives us a big hug. Yeah, he pours yeah. booze in our mouth. Vodka's you know? like ready to go. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. And they're, they're like everywhere. And what's interesting about them, I don't, I don't get it. It's, it's that they always have a New Yorker accent. It's like, hey, it's so good to see you. It's amazing. It's good. Thank God. Thank God. It's like, where are you from? He's like, I'm from Germany. You're like, why do you speak like a guy from Brooklyn? No matter where he's from in the world, they all speak like New Yorkers. And they have, it's like a, a world, a global <laughs> hub, you know, for 
any Jew or, you know, even non-Jews that can just go and be part of something. What do you think? So what do you think are some of the biggest reasons why you think they're so happy? Um, I think that it would come back to our to our discussion. They, 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 they seem to have like two, three big tenets that are unique to, to, to them. Uh, because Jews share a lot of the same philosophies and halachas and all these things, but um, they have a few tenets that are that are interesting and, and unique to them. So one of them is is that thing that um, their their purpose of life right is is directed towards one thing. Because yeah, sure, science kind of bottlenecks it down to survival, right? Mm-hmm. Which is which is fine, but they say no. There's a there's something else. There has to be something else and and they truly believe that their purpose is to serve god in a very happy manner this is pretty much chasidut in all of its of its glory it's it's uh, uh, like rabbi nachman said uh, 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 also try to just to keep this in mind there are non-jewish oh, listeners so okay. try to translate so it i'll translate things. some things okay. maybe things down yeah yeah absolutely okay we'll cut that out so <laughs> okay so so pretty we'll much keep it in yeah, yeah okay so so there's um there it is there, there, uh, uh, Hasidism is pretty much a, 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 a big sect in uh, in Judaism that are they hail from Ukraine and Russia pretty much, and they're very much based on happiness. So they're very much based on serving God in total and utter joy because they see God as a father, and they'll say, "Well, wouldn't your father want you to be happy with everything that you're doing? Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't want you to do things and be miserable." doesn't want you to do things and sulk about it. He wants you to be happy. So the things that you're doing, do them with a smile. And it gives you that extra little, you know, shot of gasoline to be able to really be happy while you're doing these things, right? So this is one of their tenets that's, that's very unique to them. And it's that, that ultimate joy while doing the things that, like you said, these restrictions and, I, you know, Shabbat, I can't turn on my phone. I can't. They're really happy not to do it. They do. They find joy in not doing it. It's mm-hmm. it's remarkable. So in terms of in terms of finances and my my philosophy, largely being that I grew up without parents, there was no money in the family. My grandmother was really paycheck to paycheck for my entire uh, childhood, uh, teens. Mm-hmm. She really didn't have the funds to do anything more than the basic necessities, and <laughs> she gave me always had clean, good clothing, always had food in the fridge. Everything I needed was taken care of. She's an incredible woman is an understatement. Love her to death. We were extremely close. I always had a good relationship with her. I'm very blessed for that because many people don't have that relationship with two parents. So extremely blessed for that. And she, I mean, she gave me an incredible life. I had a great childhood. We didn't have the money, but goes to show you, oftentimes the money is not the end-all be-all. With that said, as I've gotten older and I've worked since I was since I was 15, I was a waiter for many years and I was in college and the army and everything, I've really built a great work ethic for myself through trials and tribulations. And I've decided several years ago that for me it was very important to not just have money but to be very, very, very comfortable. And I want to be wealthy. Um, and that's largely for my own selfishness. It's largely because I want that 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 power and not in some tyrannical way but i want to be able to do the things i want to do when i want to do them that's um, okay yeah and, and that for me whether it's whether people take, for that. i'm not apologizing yeah for it. exactly you don't have to like justify because it's it's 
it's okay to want these things, right. you know? Right, but I said, I, but I don't want it in a tyrannical way, though. That's what I'm trying to tell no you. No tyranny. Right, that's Absolutely what I'm trying to not. say. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm trying to say. It's not apology. It's not apology. Um, and at the end of the day, most people want that. Many people want... They, people are afraid to publicly admit it because the rich guy is bad, right? Right, right. absolutely. We kind of have a, a, a tendency to want to shit on capitalism, but to reap all the fruits that it has to offer, Oh, right? absolutely. Well, they just love that. They, they would love to be handed it all. They just don't want to work for it. Of course. You know, and it's like you're just a bad person if you're poor. and I, I, you're, If you're rich, if you're rich, sorry. And I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense. Because, because why? <laughs> it doesn't right? make sense. Why? Because it, it's a bitterness. It's a jealousy. So, so I am very much a follower of wealth. I would very much like to be wealthy. And that's a goal of mine. One of my biggest goals. I mean, any, anyone who knows me will tell you that. Um, but I'm also realizing more and more as I'm getting older that I absolutely have to enjoy what I do day to day. The f- putting money before everything else is a terrible idea. So it's not, uh, and I put money as a, money is a very important part of my life, but it's, I want to be doing things that I enjoy that can make me a lot of money, right? Not just things that are completely out of my element that don't speak to me that make me money. So that's what's, that's what I've really come to realize. And it makes me much happier. At the same time, going into relationships, I was in a relationship not too long ago, maybe going on a year and a half ago, or more than that at this mm-hmm. point. How long? Uh, Eight-month relationship. Okay. And what that taught me at the end, I'm not going to go into the relationship itself, but what that really taught me was I need to be in a financial situation. The financial situation for me, I have my own definition of that, and I'm not really, I don't really care to go into it and have that whole conversation, but for, I have a certain idea of where I want to be before I go and take on a relationship. And the ultimate question here, I'm curious to hear your opinion, is do you feel that it's better to go and find somebody young, settle down and sort it out, or do you feel it's better to have some level of foundation beforehand? Now, real quick beforehand, the the caveat to that is, being Jewish in a first world country, oftentimes there's generational wealth. So even not all, many times not, but yeah. oftentimes yes. Yeah. So when you know you have that behind you and you know you have the familial support, you can go into a relationship more comfortably knowing that the wedding's going to be covered, the ring's going to be covered. If, if, if things absolutely go to shit financially, your parents can, they might not start handing you money, but God forbid, but when they pass, there's going to be some, there might be some real estate property. There, there are probably going to be some assets. And these are things that people, you know this at the end of the day. You're not, you're not, God forbid, hoping your parents are, you know, you want them to live as long as possible. But there are certain comforts that many people, many, talking Jews specifically, many Jewish guys know that they have. Mm-hmm. And you can go and make certain decisions more easily because you know you have those luxuries. Whereas somebody like me, I don't have those. And I'm not okay. The biggest thing for me is I want to meet my future father-in-law, be able to look him in the eyes, shake, him with, shake his hand with a firm grip and say, I've, I've got this covered. Anything can happen going forward, but as of right now, and as of the foreseeable future, I'm very, very capable of taking care of your daughter and our children. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I, I need for my own self, for my own selfish reasons. I think it's a very good thing. I'm extremely convinced. I've convinced myself that it's a wonderful thing. And I think it sounds very mature, but I need that. And as much as I want to settle down right now, that's not what God gave me for whatever, you know, the decisions I've made and all that. And I think I've made very good decisions. I, again, need to, because of my own upbringing, I need to have a certain level of a foundation before I go and do that. 
Um, and that's what pushes me. That's what one of my biggest whys of why I, I work so hard is because I want that sooner than later. And man plans, God laughs, who knows? Yeah, exactly. But that's the plan. So I want to I hear what you think about this. Well, so we're millennials, right? You're, you're, born, you're born post-84. 94. Correct. Okay, yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, we're millennials, even though we don't really like to admit it because mm-hmm. you know, there's all this stigma about sure. how they... Yeah. Sure. Um, we're growing up in a very difficult era, financially speaking. Um, sure, we have all these these options and all these things and all this technology at the tip of our fingers, but um, it seems like we love having a lot of choice. It's something that's kind of ingrained in our uh, generational DNA. Or probably it could be also the, the societal upbringing that we had. Um, so, so we like to have a lot of options, which is why you know when I go for brunch. I like to take that plate that has the eggs and the toast and the potatoes and the little and it comes with the coffee and the, the fruit bowl and the th- because I don't want to just have pancakes, you know. I want to have all the options. Israeli breakfast one hundred and one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's and and it seems like in the fifties you could just you know work for GM. You're like eighteen years old. You work for GM in the factory. Every morning you put on your big like Jack Daniels belt buckle, your Peter built cap. Your Dick's pants. Yeah. Exactly. Dick's even existed. Your ugly ass Dick's sporting exactly. good pants. With the pleats in front. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you just you just go to work and and you work your nine to five, you get home, your wife is waiting for you with an apron. I know it's very like madman style, but 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 it's because this is kind of how things worked and, and you would just work your nine to five. Put money aside, buy your house for twenty two k. You ha- you pay it off. You have this nuclear family thing going on, and as of like twenty two, you can start to count on yourself to be able to provide for your wife and kids, right? Because houses were twenty two k, and or or maybe less. I don't know. Um, but then you can go into the conversation of of money just losing value, right? So it's all relative. Sure, money lost value, but you would take someone's average salary at the time, and you would take the average house price. You know, for example, I don't know, at the, thirty years ago, an electrician would make, let's say, twenty five k a year or twenty k a year, and he could get a decent house for like sixty k. Now, an electrician makes like eighty k a year, ninety k a year, and that same house is worth like seven hundred fifty eight hundred k. So the difference. You know, however you want to, however you want to slice the pie, it's that the house is way less affordable now, right? And so now you want a twenty-two-year-old to buy an eight hundred thousand-dollar house. That's insane. It's it's impossible. It's unachievable, right? Okay. So so I feel that at, at, in the olden days, in the fifties, in the sixties, you could have this dream of a nuclear family where you're the man of the house and you take care of your wife and kids financially just by having this job. They would pull it off, man. Mm-hmm. They were pulling it off. And now it's like things have gotten crazy. Yeah. You have to you have to first of all, you have to you have to find an, a niche, right? And more and more a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, even a PhD is like losing. There's been academic inflation. It's losing its value. More and more people are having it. And, you know, KPMG ain't paying their accountants the shit tons of money that they were paying them before because there are so many accountants that they're just knocking on their door and saying, I'll do the job for 20K less. 
are you in? And they're like, yeah, I'm a business. Sure, I'll cut costs. Right. And then, they're just, you know, you're 45 years old and you're out of the job because they're hiring the 22-year-old who's actually going to do exactly what you do with fresher ideas. Yeah, and that's the other problem. Older older employees lose out because they want younger minds. Yes. Less stubborn, yes. more agreeable. Yeah. Experience is no longer something that's as valued as it used to be. Now we want that little 22-year-old gene, tech genius, you know. So, so And this tech de- genius, he's really rare. He's like this guy who has been coding since he's six years old, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and how many people do that? Not, not many. So we, we're living in, a, in, in difficult financial times, more difficult than our parents and grandparents, right? They had difficulties. They had other difficulties, I think. But finance was just like you would go find a job and then you could, you could go through life and be all right. You know, now things have gotten tougher. And the toughest thing, I think, is finding your vector, finding your niche, finding your direction, right? Because we have so many options. We have the options to go to university and study whatever we want. We have the option to get a job, start an, a commer- an e-commerce, start any type of business. And it's so easy because first of all, borrowing money is super easy mm-hmm. and getting an education is super accessible. So we have all these options and the problem is we have too many options. So it's very difficult to find what you're really going to do in life forever it's like a marriage to a lifestyle a career and i think that maybe okay you didn't you don't have your finances together you can get married if at least you found your vector you found your direction you know okay this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna be a cardiologist whatever it is you know i don't recommend it but you you want to be a card you want to be a real estate agent You, you started something things are going all right You've been in it for a year and a half or two. You know this is what you like and you know that you can succeed in it and you know that you're willing to put in the effort. Then you can get married. But if you do that before and you have absolutely no idea where you're going, you're going to have a tougher time finding it That's while being married. That's without question. That's yeah. what, so I completely agree. And I hear where you're coming from. With that said, I still, for me, need to be at a certain foundational level. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm I'm so confident about that is because I know I know in my mind, and I've, and this is part of lying to yourself, even though I know that it, God could just say "fuck you," you're not closing a deal for another eight months. I think that's highly, highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I trust the process. I trust God. I trust the process that I'm going to get to where I want to be. Because thank God, I can say that almost everything up until now that I've set out to accomplish, I've accomplished. On the, on, on the smaller scale, there's huge. huge goals that I want to accomplish. There's tons of things I haven't accomplished. But there are many, many things I have that I've wanted to. Mm-hmm. And that's why I just need to continue on that path. And, and the best, best thing and the most beautiful thing is I really have found two things that I love doing. This baby and selling property. I, sales, is my, sales is where I'm at, dude. Yeah. And this, I, I wish I started this sooner. I have no regrets. Thank God I did it when I did. But I mean, this, this isn't even, it's not a job. It's not a job. I love it. Of course. I love it. And God willing, I'll make money doing it. I mean. You meet all types of people. Oh, I've made connections. I've learned that yeah. every single person teaches me enormous. Yeah. You're, you're, you're such a well-spoken, charismatic, eloquent guy. Likewise. And you very much deserve the compliment. Thank, Thank you, brother. And uh, I, it's, I can't even tell you how happy I am that I decided to do this. Of course. And I, I just, it, 
it's so me. <laughs> it's so me. Of course. It encompasses who I am. It's wonderful. This episode so. should be called uh, The Art of Lying to Yourself, maybe. It yeah. seems like we yeah. always yeah. tie back yeah. to it. I don't know. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Honestly, but, that's perfect. Yeah. So uh, you, this really got me thinking. I've never thought of it that way, by the way. Yeah. I've never, I've never put it into perspective like oh, yeah. that. I thought of it this morning when I was shaving. It's, <laughs> it's true. I'm like, I can't leave the beard. <laughs> but, I'm uh, very pro leaving the beard. You should leave the beard. I know, I know. I just, I just, so what happened is I wanted to trim it by down. By the way, I was very hurt. I didn't admit it, but I was hurt because usually I'm the guy that gets the beard compliments. And, uh, and when Eden got it, I was like, damn, because I trimmed you my beard do that have day. a sick beard. You don't have to do that. You, you don't do have, to do, have, a you sick don't have beard. to do that. I don't, don't have to. to. I do it by choice. I'm a free man. You don't have to do but that. But <laughs> do have a sick beard. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I totally just asked for a compliment. <laughs> but but anyway, I'm used to people being like, bro, sick beard, blah, blah, blah. And when you were like, yo, Eden, sick beard, I was like, <laughs> but, but, but what about me, bro? Right. <laughs> you see what I did? That's terrible. Right? You nah, give a compliment. No, nah, no. Nah, nah. yeah. but, but it was, yeah, because my beard is like one of my, one of my like, Proud, proud moment, proud, um, help me out here with Assets. vocabulary, so to speak. I think it's a good asset to have. It is. Yeah. It is. It does you well. It does you well. Yeah. If you keep it, if you keep it, keep it kept. Yeah. So, so I, I, I hear where you're coming from. I mean, for me, it's funny though, because you'll have both sides. And I recently interviewed Kobe Karp. Maybe you've heard of him. He's the architect. Entrepreneur. He's in our, yeah. he's the, the architect of South Florida and he's done projects in wow. many countries. Yeah. Uh, Israeli-born guy originally. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we had a conversation and, and he told me, he said, in his opinion, get your get your th certain things in order before you settle down. You got your mm -hmm. whole life ahead of you. And it's, again, a very easily argued concept because you can argue, well, if you get married at 30, you could have been married at 20 and you could have, those are 10 years you could have had children and yada, yada. This, where I end off with this point is you're, Anything you do, you're always going to have 50 opinions. You're going to have to make a decision for yourself at the end of the day. And that comes with confidence, self-confidence, and maturity to know where you're not going to sit there and listen to every single person's opinion before you decide to do something. There are certain things that I feel absolutely certain in, and I go and just do them. And then there are other things where I want to hear what a few people have to say, especially from someone who's experienced something I haven't, which is marriage and success and massive success. I don't know how, how his marriage is and it's none of my business, but I very much resonate with the idea of have certain things in order before you go and do that. And, and for me, that's, that's what will make me happy. At least that's what I think. That's what I'm lying to myself about. Of course. But I thought that to me is, I've thought about it for a long time. And to me that, because once you, once you get into marriage, like for instance, with real estate, right? I got into real estate at 20, almost 26 or was it 26? 26, oh, 26 and change. Mm -hmm. I had the ability to go and take the risk of not having a guaranteed uh, amount of money coming in. Whereas if I was married with a kid or two, I could still take that risk. You have people who do, but you, you have mouths to feed other than your own. You, you can't afford to take the same risks. And there are friends of mine that may, may want to go into real estate, may want to try one of these commission-based jobs, but th there's a fear where if I don't provide... Not only may I be out of a marriage, but my kids need to be fed. Like, th this is a non-negotiable. Whereas for me, if I, God, worst case scenario, I sleep on a friend's couch. I stay by family. I figure it out. It's, it's, I only have myself to worry about, right? I can't go through life like that forever because I will be very unhappy without a family. I think a family is, is one of the most beautiful things you can, you can have. Uh, but at the same time, I want to be able to do what I got to do for them. 
It doesn't mean I have to be a millionaire going into it, but for me, there needs to be a certain foundation. And that's, that's really what it, it is for me. Yeah. That, that, that whole fairy tale thing of, you know, you, you find the one and you can, in French, we say, uh, vive d'amour et d'eau fraîche. It means uh, you live, uh, you, you live with love and fresh water. You don't need anything else. You know, it's like this, this romantic idea that you don't need anything other than love and a bit of water to, 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 to drink. But that's no longer true, right? <laughs> if you want to confront the realities of life, uh, uh, I hear what you're saying 100%. There's, that's how I look at it, man. I, 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 real quick, I, I love what you're saying. People, they, they, they're so, because I think they, they have it easier maybe when they, as they grow up and, and uh, they, get, they find a woman they love or find a, man they, find a man they love and they just, they're in this honeymoon phase. And when they snap out of the honeymoon phase, they realize, oh, okay, it's not all hot air balloons and skiing. I'm actually going to have to sit in an office and do some boring shit today. And I'm going to have to do that for years. Mm-hmm. And I'm going I'm to have to do a lot of shit I don't enjoy. My wife is going to give me a lot of shit. She's going to nag me, even if I'm doing so many things and vice versa. And you realize that it's a real fucking job. It's the movies, man. It's a man. job. It's yeah. the movies. The movies fuck it up. Yeah. It's the movies. We've been watching it's this rom-coms, shit since, dude. We're, since we're four years <laughs> yeah. old. And like girls have been telling us like, nah, I want a guy who's really nice and caring and nice and caring. And like, then they depict this guy who's like super nice. And then like, she's with this like super badass guy, you know, who has like his shit together. Then the other one's like, he's like nice and he has little things and, the, and, and, and like, he, she doesn't really love him, but he's like, no, but I'm going to show you how how nice I am, you know, and you're just going to like me just with that. And then she, she kind of like goes to the airport and he's like, love was here all along. He goes in the taxi. I was and literally about to say the airport. The, she's yeah, about to leave the, and yeah. never see him again. And he runs to the airport, like, stops I love her. you. And she's like, ah, oh, you know, forget Brad, you know, <laughs> who has his shit together. I'm just going to go with Mr. Nice Guy. And, and, and then they, they, they go, they kiss, end of the movie. Right. But they're fucking divorcing in four months. Right, because right. their relationship has no foundation at all. It's just he he has one move. It's I took a taxi and went to the airport, and the problem is they never show you, they never make a second part of that movie. Never. Right, you know no. all about Steve. There's no all about Steve two, where after they kiss in the hot air balloon, like you said, or whatever. Where does this relationship go? Right, they have to wake up in the morning with smelly breath. You know, and it's like, oh, you make the coffee. No, I make the coffee every morning and get all that shit. And you pay the bills. No, you pay the They should make a movie like this, by It the would way. suck. Nobody would watch it because it's too real. It's too real. That's so true, bro. It's too real. Always hide lies in some truth, right? And this is what makes it interesting. This is so valid. They make it look real. It's all there. But there's because a bunch need, people need the escape. If it's too real, where's the escape? Yeah, it would suck. It's like, oh, this is actually how my life really is. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's making the coffee. Uh, I need to hope. change the water. Uh, it's like the boxer is like to... scratching his butt. And, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, you know, Matthew McConaughey can't scratch his butt. He can't. He can't. He's not allowed to. He's too, he's, yeah. No, he's like perfect, you know. Right? It can't happen. It's, it, dude, this is so spot on. It's incredible. Yeah, because we have to escape reality by watching a rom-com with a beautiful girl in a sundress and this perv and this guy with a suit and they're dancing in the rain. They're sham- putting shampoo in each other and everything's fantastic. He gives her flowers every week. He never forgets her birthday or the anniversary. <laughs> everything's perfect. Exactly. And the idea that, that being the nice guy, which is the, the easiest thing in the world, by the way, it's so easy to be nice. Uh, uh, being the nice guy will get you everything you want and it's just not true. 
Jordan oh, Peterson is a oh, big... Oh, I love Jordan Peterson. He's huge love, on that. You can tell me all Disagreeability, these. right? How disagreeable you are is going gonna, is gonna to... I've learned that, dude, and I've learned that quite honestly by, by, by interacting with many women in my, in, in my 28 years. Yeah. And my conclusion very strongly is a woman, and this is what I've experienced, a woman will very much... I think a woman wants a good guy, not a nice guy necessarily. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll explain the difference, and I feel like you, you totally already understand me, is they are attracted to you, of course, treating them with respect and being good to them, but they don't want you to be a doormat, mm-hmm. okay? And Jordan Peterson always says my favorite thing is women want a dangerous man. They want a man who who at any at any given moment can do some very, very harmful things, and, and hopefully, of course, not to her, but to, to other men or to society, but he contains it. And a woman knows that, that that's a man who can protect them, who can provide for them, who's going to hunt and go after it. But at the end of the day, has enough self-control. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that's so attractive, aside from the fact that that's what, that's what constitutes manliness, is that they, they love the idea of taming a man as opposed to just finding some soft little nerdy guy where there's nothing to it. You Everything. don't make men safe by making them weak. In fact, they're much more dangerous when they're weak because they'll stab you in the back when they get the chance or take advantage of you when you when they get the chance. You make men safe, let's say, by making them strong and then by making sure that they're disciplined. As Jung makes it very clear that, see, he was very interested in the barriers to enlightenment because if there's, a, if there's such a thing as being enlightened, let's say, then why isn't everyone enlightened? If it's just a matter of, t- of taking the, the glorious... Um, um, root and and following your bliss, let's say it's like, well, that sounds pretty easy. Why isn't everyone enlightened? And but Jung's thinking isn't like that at all. You know, he he believed that in order to transform your personality, that first of all you had to be disciplined. That's for sure. But you also had to integrate that part of you that was terrible and capable of breaking rules and make it part of you. And so then, and I really like that idea. Everything she says goes. Everything she wants, he does. There's no, there's no, no, there's no, no, sweetie, we, we're not doing that. That's not okay. You, 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 you were disrespectful and it goes both ways, obviously. But we're, as guys, we're talking about what Jordan Peterson talks about. And like, for instance, I'll, there have been women that I've spoken to and I'm a very blunt guy. I'm, I'm from New York. I was in the Israeli army. I've dealt with Israelis. I've just built that thick skin where I say what's on my mind. I didn't know you were from New York, but I knew you were from New York, by the way. You <laughs> never told me, but I just knew. You just knew. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm very blunt. And, and I find that that's actually why, thank God, I create such real relationships with people is because I'm so honest. Mm-hmm. And there are some women, especially in Florida, that aren't as used to that. Because people in Florida are more passive aggressive as a oh, whole. Yeah? yeah, they're not as direct. People from New York are a lot more. And it's a generalization. You'll, meet, you'll definitely meet direct Floridians. But... I'll say certain things. If a woman will ask me a question and I'll answer it and they think it's just very, it's very brash, like it's very straightforward. But at the end of the day, I end up having good relationships with them because they know what you see is what you get. Like if they ask me if I think the dress is ugly and I think it's fucking ugly, I'm not going to say that's fucking ugly, you look like crap. But I'll say, yeah, I'm not really such a fan of it. Versus most guys that are dying to talk to this girl that will do everything they can possible to have a second with her will completely bullshit her and not do her any favors but they think that that's the way to do it mm-hmm. and what's funny is maybe those guys the girl might be upset at me and maybe not want to talk to me for a bit that nice guy she'll soon realize is completely full of crap 
and she'll end up not not coming back because I don't care one way or another, but maybe I'll bump into her somewhere or we'll start talking again or whatever it is. She'll realize that, you know what, at the end of the day, he might've said some things I didn't love to hear, but I know that if he doesn't like the dress, he, he doesn't like the dress. If he likes the dress, he likes the dress. And whether she's okay with that or not, that's, that's what I'm being true to me. Yeah. And then ultimately, ironically, or not so ironically, that's how you build lasting relationships. Because at the end of the day, as much as a lot of women say they don't want the truth, well, they say they want the truth. Sometimes they don't. But with those sorts of things, they very much appreciate the straightforward guy. Because at the end of the day, they know that they're, they're getting reality. That's yet, what I think. Yet you're fighting the urge to be very agreeable when you say, I don't like the dress. I don't know if that, it, it, I'm going to ask you, is, is that, an, is that a, a natural instinct that you have? Or do you say, do you kind of do the whole balance sheet in your head and you say, well, like the truth is I want to be agreeable and I want to tell her the truth. I want to lie, I want to lie to her and be agreeable and say, oh my God, it's so pretty. You look amazing. And because it's going to up my chances, right? Oh, well, or, so that, that also depends. If it's something that's, that's not serious, if I'm already in a committed relationship with a woman, it really depends. If I feel that she really wants my opinion, and you also have to know your woman, right? You have to know if she can handle it or not. Mm -hmm. Some women are, have thicker skin than others. You have, to pick your, you have to decide when it's worth shutting the fuck up or possibly lying a little yeah. bit. If she says she looks fat, you better believe I'm not going to say she looks fat. <laughs> but some women can really handle it in terms of if they're into fitness and they got a little, they got a little out of it, especially if they had kids, these things happen. Of course, I'm not going to call my wife fat. But if I know she's the kind of woman that, that can hear criticism and say, okay, you know what, I hear you, then I'll say, well, sweetie, I, I sure as hell don't think you're fat and you're beautiful and I love you just the way you are, um, but do you want me to be honest? Or, you know, and that's hard to do. A lot of women wouldn't take that very well, but I think a woman who I have a good relationship with will be like, no, I really want your, your honest feelings about that. And I'd say, well, I mean, you, know, you, were more, you were working out a lot more a couple of months ago, and uh, again, I still, of course, I love you the way you are. But is this if this is something you feel that you should do, then yeah, I mean, working out probably probably wouldn't it would probably make you happy. You know, it would be good. And you know, I'm still going to the gym. You're welcome to come with me and all that. Um, and I think that would be the way I would handle it, as opposed to saying, "Nah, don't worry about it." Yeah, because how why how am I doing her any favors there? But then there's the opposite where I can be like, "Hey, you know, you really put on a lot of weight. You you look like crap." And there are men that do shit like that. Yeah, it's that's kind of oppression. Right, in a way. And oh, just absolutely. Your, your that's just, that's and, and just quite frankly cutting the corners here. That's just a piece, that's plain solutions. and simple, a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> there is no need for that. Yeah. You're just absolutely being a piece of garbage. And unfortunately, yeah. there are people like that. Yeah. Um, but then there's also leading by example. If, I'm, if I am completely out of shape and don't go to the gym, I have no right whatsoever to make any claims to my yeah. wife. Go on the treadmill. People right. Like eating like munchies. You have, met, you have yeah. men like that. Absolutely yeah. fat, completely out of shape, telling their wife to work out. Who yeah. do you think you are? Yeah ridiculous absolutely um but that's that's really what that that's my my point here in terms of the whole uh the dance of and it's a very difficult dance and you're always as a guy gonna say the wrong things it's gonna it's gonna happen especially when they just want you to listen and you try to solve the problem that's the age-old classic age-old confusion of men and women and understanding women are from each other. mars men are, what is it right the book Venus, men are, yeah something like that right i had a feeling that, you're yeah. gonna bring that up yeah they discuss that uh, that's the age-old complication and i've had these arguments with with girls i've dated my last my last ex there's a there's a famous video I'll show you after the podcast. I'm going to post it. It's uh, it's called the Nail in the Head. Maybe you've seen it. It's gotten like 22 million views on YouTube. 
you see two people on a couch, guy and a girl on a couch that are a couple. The woman has a nail in her head, okay? Obviously, it's not real, but the nail's in her head, and she's complaining to her boyfriend or husband about the searing pain she has in her head, and he's looking at her like she's out of her mind. He's like, well, you have a nail in your head. Like, if we took the nail out of your head, you probably wouldn't have any pain. And she's like, it's not about the nail. You don't understand. You're always trying to solve my problems. I just want you to listen. And the guy's like, I don't think that's what you need. I think what you need is to take the nail out of your head, right? <laughs> and this is the, the old age problem. And even after this video, I still very much think you got to take the damn nail out of your head because we're men, right? But that's the lesson here. It's like even if you think your wife's out of her mind and all she has to do is just go and repair the shoe or bring the car in to fix the AC or, you know, my, it's too hot in my car. Okay, well, your, your AC's not working, sweetheart. Mm. It's not, that's not the point. It's like, as much as we want to be logical, sometimes we have to we have to be there to listen. Because at the end of the day, even as men, there are some times where we just want to vent and not necessarily focus right now on solving the problem. I, for one, am much more of a person that likes the problem solved. Yeah. Most of the time, I just want to be done with the issue so I don't have to bitch about it. But hey. <laughs> I mean, I mean, first of all, I would say that that's the, the you have a, you, you you have a lot of the. You have the. How do we say? I don't want to. I don't want to say the wrong words here. Uh, the, the the your past experience in the IDF has shaped you to be very much of a problem solver. I mean, for sure. Um, um, I I haven't been to the army myself. Uh, the, the, no question. When I see people who've been to the army, I can tell the 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 different type of personality that they have. It it shapes you into somebody else. It it does and. Um, it seems like you become um, uh, uh, you become oriented towards solving problems quickly and efficiently, and it doesn't really matter how you kind of feel about it. You will feel good after you said that you will feel good after solving the problem, and keeping the five hundred eighty-seven problems on the back burner is not a solution. Right? Oh, it's the worst thing. That's why. Yeah. That's my biggest issue. Quite honestly, that's yeah. my biggest thing that I need to focus on with long-term relationships with women, honestly. And I, I'm, as much I'm a, as I'm a very good communicator, when I'm having a conversation that's very void of logic, it really frustrates me. And I think, I'm, I don't think I'm alone here at all, but I think where other men are, are much more able to just say, I know, but this, but that, I can do that. I'm very capable of doing it. But it's, to me, it's a massive waste of time. And it's very hard for me to, and I, and I understand how important it is. And that's why I know that in order to keep a happy marriage and show them by it and peace in the home, you need to do it and focus on it. But that's why Ben Shapiro saved me with this, with this line. He said, when your wife comes home or you come home and she wants to talk to you, ask her, is this the conversation where you want me to help solve a, solve a problem or help you with a solution? Or do you want me to just listen? And that, when he, when I heard him say that, I said, dude, you literally, you probably saved my marriage without realizing. And he probably saved countless marriages by, by doing that. And that's what you have to do. Like, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm sure there are times where I'm going to slip up and accidentally just blurt it like, yeah. but babe, all you got to do is that, you know? <laughs> and she yells and whatever. But, but you know, it's, it's staying calm. Even if she's upset, stay calm. Keep yourself, whatever. You know, there's so many things that, thank God, I've, I've never cursed at anyone I've dated. I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I've never yelled, like I've never yelled and screamed at somebody, I've raised my voice, I've been upset, but I've never like slammed a door through something, God forbid, never put, laid my hand on a woman. Um, and, and just like those things is just the, the, 
the remaining calm, the understanding when to solve the problem and when to listen, these things are, are, are just elementary, you know? Of course. Yeah, that's the, what the I The whole yelling and plate throwing is certainly not conducive to a, to a healthy I don't think so. I don't you, think that helps. No, you demolish her, right? She's, right. she's, she's going to stop trusting you. And, and then you're, you're just... You want to be dangerous for other people not her you know you want of course you want her to feel that you're dangerous for the right reasons of course not not dangerous to her and that's that's what's that goes back to jordan peterson um yeah so mike thank you for coming i appreciate you it's been a hell of a conversation it has been yeah definitely very glad we did this yeah so guys make sure to subscribe like share uh obviously check out check out my social media uh, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the audio platforms that are available to watch and stream. And until next time. Thank you for having me, man. Absolutely, bro.